Today, we're going to be talking about Jesus preaching to the crowd. We're in Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I want to talk to you a little bit about work because work is an important thing. Um, have you ever been together with friends and or family? Uh, maybe you are a high schooler in the room here and you have gone to some kind of special thing that you've been at and there's family members talking to you. What do they inevitably talk to you about? What are you doing? Yeah, at some point, somebody's going to ask you, how's work going? If you're a student in high school, what are they going to say? What grade are you in again? What class are you taking? Who's your favorite teacher? What are you thinking about for college? How'd that ACT go? Like, those things are going to happen, right? That's how everybody talks. So work is a normal part of our life. It's a big part of our life. In fact, in any family gathering anywhere, you're going to talk about it. You're going to talk about it. You're going to talk about how work is going, what's happening, uh, if you're in the financial industry, there's no way that you're not going to talk about Silicon Valley Bank yeah. at some point, right? Yeah. It's just this is how life normally goes. But there's this weird thing that's like when you come to church, you're supposed to turn that off in your head and let all of that sort of drain out for a second and come in because we're going to worship. And that worship is supposed to be like separate from all this other stuff. So that even happens too with like moms and kids is you can, you can be knee-deep in diapers or whatever in the car, but as soon as you come in the church, it's supposed to be like, everything is great, and the kids are perfect, and it's going to be fine. And it never works that way. It never does. Especially if you have a baby in the meeting. Have you, you know, that's, that changes the whole dynamic, doesn't it? Which, praise God for that, because we love babies. So babies can cry in the meeting. That's fine. But also, isn't it interesting how Sometimes we can get so distracted by the normal work of life that we separate it from our worship because we want our worship to be pure. The reality is that God has shown us that our worship is often our work, that we bring him what we do. And whether we're eating or drinking, whether we're working, whether it's day or night, whatever we do, we do all of it unto the glory of God. And we shouldn't try to segment ourselves into all these things. But we do that all the time, don't we? We also try to do that with just life in general. So we have work that goes during the day, and then we finish that work, and we come home, and then we're supposed to be a husband, or we're supposed to be a wife, or we're supposed to be a mom or a dad. But how do you, you can't separate those out during the day. Now, you have to focus on different things at different times, for sure. But we're not supposed to be dichotomous people where you're broken into different things all the time. It doesn't work that way. And so today we're going to talk about Jesus talking, He's not addressing work exactly, but he's talking about what people do. And what's happening in this passage is in Luke chapter 6, Jesus has already shown, he's called the apostles, he's discussing things with them, he is uh, ministering to different people in a great multitude, and now he is going to start to teach them. And as he starts to teach them, he's talking to them about regular real life things. But the context of him teaching them is really important. So who are the people generally that he's talking to in Acts chapter 6? The answer is he's talking to Jewish people who have gathered, but there are also some Gentile people who have come. And the Bible has told us that Jesus' fame has spread throughout the whole region. And now a lot of people are coming to see him. And especially, we talked about last week, it's almost like an emergency room in the sense of the fame of his healing power has gone out. So everybody has come to them with the worst cases of people that they can't get healed by traditional medicine or whatever else. 
And so Jesus is talking to a lot of people. He's also talking to a lot of uh, desperate or hurting people or people who have just been healed and now they're ecstatic and they don't know what to do, which is great. And the word tells us that for all the people that came who needed to be healed, his power went out from him and he has healed them all. So this is a great multitude, not of people who are waiting for the miracle, but of people who are already experiencing seeing God's power. That's awesome. Then he opens his mouth to teach them. So let's look at Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20, it says this, And he, that's Jesus, lifted up his eyes on his disciples, and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn you, as your name is evil, on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, and behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Praise the Lord for his word. Here's some interesting observations about this passage. The first thing is, Jesus has two columns, if, we, if you will, which is why I have the whiteboard today. It's helpful for us to see them. Jesus is talking in a big hyperbole, or a, um, in the ancient world they called this a chiasm. And in that form of literature, there was a point that was being made by comparing different things. So the first thing he talks about, what does he say in verse 20? He has two, two groups. One's blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Favor of the Lord is on you. Uh, we tend to use it like, wow, I found $10. I'm so blessed. But more than that, it's the Lord's presence with you. So the first person ever who's blessed is, Abraham, is uh, Adam in the garden. The Lord blessed them, and he told them to multiply and fill the earth. What was the blessing? It was himself. He would walk with them and the ability to do what they were called to do and work for him. So to walk with God and to know God is the blessing. Jesus said it this way, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. And the context is clothing and food and money and all that stuff will be added to you. So the blessing is not the money and clothing and food, which is what we usually think it is. Instead, the blessing is, Lord, you're walking with me, and I'm walking with you, and I'm tending the garden that you've called me to do. And this is where the work comes in, where it's good, it's redeemed, because we're doing it for him and with him, and that's awesome. And so Jesus says, blessed are these people. Who's the first person that's blessed? The poor. The poor. Here's a shocking thing. Jesus is talking to Jewish people under Roman occupation. And under Roman occupation, unless you work for the state like a tax collector, everybody's poor. Everybody's poor. They're not allowed to have the best jobs. So unless you can exploit something in the people or extort something from the people, which is what the tax collectors do, you are probably poor. Pretty much everybody. Now, 
There are exceptions to this. Does that make sense? There are exceptions to this. But if you're walking down the street and your rights are restricted, rights are restricted in things like if you are uh, stopped by a Roman official, you are required to serve them up to one mile. That means a Roman soldier can hand you all their gear and say, you will carry this for one mile because they're viewed as servants because they're not citizens. They, are, uh, they have no redress of physical abuse by a Roman citizen, specifically a Roman official. So if they hit you or hurt you, that was okay to do because they're better than you. So the poor in this case are not just people who don't have money, they are the poor who are lower class citizens. And that's a difficult place. And Jesus is talking to the majority of people are in that place. The ones who are not in that place are extorting money like the tax collectors, or they are exploiting the system like sometimes the Pharisees would do to get special gifts to be kind of in a better place. Um, either way, though, most of the people fit in this category just by the society at the time. So uh, there was no like middle class, really. And that's shocking. What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to the, to the poor? The kingdom of God is theirs. Okay, second person on our list. The hungry. The hungry. What's going to happen to them? You'll be satisfied. Okay, and last one. Those who weep. What will happen to them? They will laugh. And then finally, hated. Let's, I'm going to use the word reviled. Reviled. They are, they are scorned, scorned, hated, mistreated, but they're also, their names become thought of as evil. So they don't have a good name because their reputation is stained. So they're reviled or scorned. Reviled. Maligned is a good one, yeah. Maligned. Um, I spelled it. Reviled. There we go. That's better. Reviled, maligned, yes. Okay, what will, what will happen to them? This, this quality is a little different than these other ones. Yeah. Yes. So they are, these people, their reward is great. And so they are leaping for joy now. So there's joy that comes now in the midst of this suffering because they know there's a future greatness to come, which is good. Then Jesus goes on to say, so for their fathers did to the prophets. Who is this? That the people that are doing stuff to the prophets, what did they do? The prophets murdered a lot. Yeah, the, most of the prophets were murdered. And so the fathers of the Jews in this case especially in their work that they're doing, the, the prophets trying to proclaim the word of God, telling the people to return to, to righteousness, to what the Lord says, they are reviled. Now, what's shocking about that? What's shocking about this statement? Blessed are you when people hate you, they exclude and revile you, and spurn your name as evil. On account of whom? The son of man. Rejoice in the day, your reward is great, for so the fathers did to the prophets. Who did the prophets speak for? 
for God. So if you are being persecuted on account of the Son of Man, and Jesus is elevating that to the same as the prophets of old who spoke for God, who is the Son of Man? He's saying he's God. He's saying, blessed are you when this happens to you because you know that I am he who sent those prophets. And how, what would be the evidence, the sign that that is true? Because the people should stone him right now. The good Jews in the crowd should go, whoa, wait a minute. You cannot say that. Instead, they receive it. Why do they receive it? Because everybody there came hungry, poor, and weeping. And every one of them are now seeing the kingdom come, satisfied by healing, and laughing because they have seen, witnessed him heal everybody they brought. And it's shocking. The kingdom has come in this moment. And they are this, and they're already getting this. They're already there. And also, be ready. Because now that you know this truth, the work will be hard. The work will be hard. So the reward is good. Then Jesus, um, I'm going to put a reward. <coughs> Excuse me. Fighting this thing, I'm sorry. Then Jesus changes into a new category. The new category is woe. Woe means warning of impending judgment. So the thing about a woe is judgment is coming, and I'm warning you about it. So that it's, it's more than just a warning in, in terms of like, you know, son, if you don't stop, you're going to get a timeout. The timeout is here. It's coming. We are there. And also, it's going to be worse if you don't change your attitude. You know, so please, this is your moment to change. That's the woe. So who does he call out in the woes? The rich. Now, is Jesus saying it's bad to be rich? No, praise God, because people need money, right? However, there's something that happens with the rich. Why? What's going to happen to them? Yeah. Reward received. I think rich people tend to become very self-preoccupied and self-centered. Yeah, so the Bible says over and over and over again, lest you start to think in your heart that you did this. So, for instance, when the people of Israel, Deuteronomy 8, go into the promised land, they come into a place with houses built, with crops going, with herds and flocks already there, and they've eaten nothing but quail and manna for 40 years. And now they come in and there's milk and honey and meat and food and figs and grapes and they don't it, it's it's old country buffet <laughs> and you're like stunned at the ponderosa you know because it's sky is so good it's the chinese buffet that has cuisine from around the world it's chinese buffet it's great and then also cuisine around the world amazing and ice cream as much as you want it's fantastic and so what does god say God says, hey, lest you believe in your heart that you did this. When, this is what the Feast of Booths, Pentecost, was this festival. When the harvest comes and you're harvesting the riches of the land that you didn't 
you didn't sow. You didn't plant any of this. You're reaping it all. When you do that, go live in a tent. Remember what it was like for 40 years. Don't forget, lest in your heart you believe, I did this because God did this. That's the, that's the problem. Riches are not a problem. They can lead to that problem in heart attitude. So have 13 planes, praise God. Have the newest iPhone, praise God. Have 15 whatever, praise God. Great collections, praise God. All those things, praise God, whatever it is. But in our culture, we look at this as status. So if you've made it, even if it's borrowed and fake, fake it till you make it. And so if you can fake it as status, you look good, then in the eyes of people, you've received your reward. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because who are these guys going to receive? They're going to receive a reward. But they're reviled. They're not accepted by society. But these guys, people fall over, all over themselves. Come, I, I want to do business with you. I want to know you. I want to sit here. This is, oh, we need to, we can be friends, right? We'll be friends. It'll be great. They do that here. So they've already received their reward. And Jesus is warning them, woe to you. This is a warning of judgment coming. Because you, it's, if you start to believe in your heart, you did this. Now, if you don't, praise God. Use that for good things. And enjoy it. Praise the Lord. The riches aren't the problem. The heart's the problem. Second thing, full. They're full. What's going to happen to them? Hungry. The full are going to be hungry. So again, in this, in this place, for the people as they come, everybody's usually hungry. They don't, these are poor people. They probably don't eat three meals a day, except certain people. And so the, the reality is, it's a daily challenge. Isn't it funny how you can eat at the Ponderosa or the Old Country Buffet and be stuffed for six hours? Then you're hungry again. It never goes away. And so if you're full constantly, it's the same heart attitude. I got this. I'm good. I meet my needs. I never have to worry or want or think about it. You're going to be hungry because you'll see, uh, I'm not as good as I thought. What's the next one? Laugh now. Laugh. What's going to happen to them? They'll weep. Isn't it interesting to do this, to do this, you got to do that. If you're going to revile somebody, you're going to mock them, you're going to downplay them, you're going to, show, you're going to uh, hurt, harm them. You laugh at them. That's where it starts. So you laugh now. It's not just talking about joys of life. Jesus is talking about more. It's a mocking spirit. Because the context here is the people have witnessed the kingdom. And that's the funny part is nobody in their normal life, they're not laughing. But they're laughing right now out of joy. The laughing is not the problem. It's not the laughing that Jesus is like, oh, you should never have humor because I'm very stern. Jesus isn't like that. Instead, what he's saying is, if you're seeing the revelation of what God is doing and you laugh at it, you're going to weep. So right now, if you weep, weep for your sin, 
Weep for the state of how things are. Weep for knowing that there's junk everywhere. Weep for all those things. And come to God and say, Lord, I need you. Heart attitude again. Then you'll laugh out of joy. But those who don't, those who reject, woe to you. The judgment is coming. So then we come to the last one. Woe to you when people speak well of you. Um, reputation. What will happen to the reputation? The people with a good reputation. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. He doesn't say anything. What does he instead do? For so your fathers did to the false prophets. So if you don't, if your reputation, because the people who had good reputations were the ones that went along with the unrighteousness. Because the people who had good reputations were the ones that went along with the unrighteousness. The ones that went along with the stuff. The ones who never spoke up. The ones who were happy to let God's reputation be less than their reputation. It was more important to be liked than to be right. It was more important to be liked than to be on God's side of history. Because we know what happens to those people that are on God's side of history. If you stand up for the Lord, your reputation is shot. They will laugh at you. These influential people will hurt you. And they might kill you. And it's not worth it. But the reality is, Jesus says, you know from history, it's easy for everybody to fall into the trap of being against what God is doing. But you have witnessed the kingdom come today. And if you will be witnesses to me, the son of man, he says, your reward is great in heaven. So you may not get a great name now. They may hate you. They may revile you. They may hurt you. But the reward is great. What is the reward? Walk with him. Be in his presence. To know him. What greater place is there to be with Jesus? And you're there and you're standing amongst all these people and God is healing all of them. Where else would you want to go? There's nowhere else to go. And then after this, God will even miraculously feed them coming up. Feeding of the 5,000 is about to start, where God will just feed everybody. And so I'm poor, I'm hungry, I'm weeping. But now I see the kingdom and I'm laughing, I'm rejoicing, I'm, I'm witnessing to him because he's so good, you have to know him. And what will happen? They will come against you. But he's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth our lives. He's worth everything. Amen. And then Jesus flips everything. And let's read on in the passage. Verse 27, but I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you, which is all these people. It's this side. Woe to you if you're doing that. But if they're doing that to you, you pray for them because you've seen the kingdom. You've met me. You know the righteousness. You know the, the wholeness and the healing. Now pray for them because they're in trouble. Woe to them. The judgment's coming. Don't leave them in that. And you see Jesus' heart of compassion, just like I had compassion on you ER people. The worst cases, the, the sickest people, those who were in the most trouble. 
I had compassion on you, now you have compassion on them. Be like me is what Jesus is saying. And it's flipping everything on its head. He says, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, to the Roman official who hits you and you have no redress, there's no court in the world that will convict a Roman because you're a substandard person as a Jew. Offer instead the other cheek. And from the one who takes away your cloak because they can take your stuff anytime, give him your tunic also. Verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. But Lord, we're poor. But Lord, I don't, if I give them money, they might go buy alcohol. If I give them money, I'm just helping their drug fix. Lord, I don't, I don't know where our government's going. We shouldn't help anybody. Just let everybody fail. Government's different. Isn't it funny, though, sometimes when God gives us a personal responsibility, we immediately blame the government? Well, they did this. God doesn't care about the government in this passage. He cares about what you're doing. And he says, if you see somebody who's hurt, you see somebody who, who's begging from you, give them, give to them. And I'm saying that that's an ethic. This is our work. See, this touches at our work because we earned that money. That's mine. They should get a job. What's wrong with them? I bet, I bet you they're driving away in a Mercedes. What the heck? They look all grubby. What are they doing with their kids on the street corner? They are. God's going to judge them. Yeah, maybe. Because I don't know their heart. But you don't either. And the reality is, instead, you can demonstrate the kingdom to them. And say, I have this $5 for you. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Here's this. And you share your work with them, trusting God that he's going to do things. Suddenly you're doing that not because you're making the judgments, but because you've met the judge. And you want to see them blessed because you are blessed. And that's different. It's a different ethic. It's a different work than these guys. I am making really legitimately a case to give the people a bag by the way. Now, I'm not saying every time. They don't have Venmo. I know we don't have cash on them all the time. You don't always walk around with cash. Um, but maybe it would be a good idea to every once in a while keep $5 just in case so that you're ready. If somebody is walking, you're walking and they're begging, instead of that awkward moment of we'll make eye contact, going, what would it be like if we're all ready? We're, what if you are the answer to prayers that day? Just because. I'm going to tell you right now, we had a guy show up here. He was broken down right there on the side of the road, off the outer road right here. And, um, and he had a bunch of stuff in his car, and his car was destroyed. It was not going to go anywhere. I mean, it was, Axel was sitting on the ground. It's not going to drive. And um, I went over to see if I could help him. We have a jack that we keep here because we have a lot of broken down people that tend to stop in our parking lot. And so at least once a week, we have somebody. And so they were right here on the outer road um, up. You know, if you came out the doors over here, you could walk straight up to him. And so this guy, he's trying to get to Memphis. His nephew died, uh, unfortunately. And this was his nephew's truck. And he went, he took a train to go get it with his family and do the funeral. And he inherited the truck or whatever, got the truck from the family, and he's bringing it back. And he had odds and ends stuff in the back. It was everything that they could salvage that the nephew owned. 
And these people needed every piece of it. You know, you could just, talking to them, they were, they were not in a good way. And so um, I met them out there, and I said, well, you know, how can I help you? And they said, oh, no, we're fine. We're, we're, we're fixing it. I said, well, we have some tools. Let us help you. Praise God. And he said, okay. So eight hours later, he's still working on it. I said, how can I help you? He said, no, we got it. We're fine. And they slept in their, in their truck that night. Slept in the car. So there's a wife, two kids who are like teenagers, and the husband. And I slept in the car, and uh, I found them the next morning. I said, hey, you're still here. Are you okay? He said, man, we, and they'd been now here. We noticed the car two days prior, so three days they've been here. He said, We've been st we walked to a hotel. We're out of money. I don't have any more money for the hotel, and I can't fix it, and I don't know what to do. I said, we're going to help you. And so we got a tow truck. We towed it to Dobbs. We put them up in the Drury Inn and Suites up here because Drury has free breakfast, free dinner. That's where we do the, the, the retreats because they have free breakfast and free dinner. So you know the set. And we went and bought them dinner. They were blown away, blown away. And I'm going to tell you right now, we could not fix that vehicle. It was thousands and thousands of dollars, probably more than it was worth, to fix it. And uh, it was a mess. And so Suzanne worked on Saturday all her day off to try to get them a tow truck that could take them, take this vehicle to Memphis, because it's all their possessions are in the back. This is, this is what they have. Couldn't do it. And so we ended up coming up to him, and we said, listen, as a church, we've already paid for the hotel. We've paid for the meals. We're going to give you $500 to get you home. It's the best we can do. And he, the dude's crying his eyes out because he's never, never seen anybody who would help him. And he said, he must have told me 50 times, I've never had anybody help me in my life. Nobody, ever. And now you guys are just, you're helping? He goes, what do you want? I said, I'm going to pray with you right now because I want you to know Jesus. He goes, we might move here. <laughs> really? Now, I don't think they have the means to move here, to be honest with you. But this, is, this was our church. This was the church did this. We did this. This is, this is tithe money that we used to help them, right? And, and time and individual things. But this is, this is the reputation of people that are... You know, now, can we, are we going to fix the whole car? We can't fix the whole car. There's limits to what we can do, right? All those things, let's be wise. But I'm also saying if we're a people who, and this is why we did this. You ready? I called Jerry and I called David. I said, we got this guy. He's at our property. He's on, he's literally, his tires are on our grass. We need to, we need to help. What can we help him? What do you think? And Jerry's, we have to help him. David, yes. Because... Here's a guy, and I told him, I said, the Lord brought you to us. He could have put you anywhere. You know that, right? He goes, I do. I know it. I know it. I need to start going to church again, you know, all the things. <laughs> but, this, but here's the reality. I don't know where he is right now. I don't know. And I'm telling you this testimony. For, this is us. It's not me. This was the body. He came to New Covenant Church. And this is our reputation. What if our reputation as the people of God are, we help everybody? Now, if when there's a guy full-on addiction... You know, there's differences, right? We're going to be wise. I'm not saying let's not be wise. But I'm also saying if our hearts are here and then we meet people, just give them Jesus. And those things will come out. 
He'll make it clear, because he's good. He's the judge. He'll make it, he'll let us know. Let's go on. Can I make a quick observation? I, I think this lesson is a wonderful illustration of God works in mysterious ways and mysterious outcomes. If you look what's going on here, we have uh, qualities, you know, the kingdom, the satisfied, the rich, the fool. Those are, those are qualities, and over on the other side, we have the outcomes. And so what we're witnessing here is how qualities unexpectedly in the lesson don't necessarily lead you to believe that that's going to be the outcome. Mm -hmm. But the overall lesson is God's mysterious ways. Yes. Those, those are the outcomes. Yes. And, and Jesus says, if you're poor, you'll receive the kingdom. He doesn't say, God will just give you money. Right. He, he also doesn't say, you'll have no troubles. <laughs> Everything will be great. Everyone will love you. Your TikTok will take off. You're going to be viral. He doesn't say any of that. He also doesn't say, hey, if you pray at work, you won't get fired. Because that's the reality is, that happens, doesn't it? So the truth is, he is worth it. He's worth it. If you love those who love you, verse 32, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your, your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Here's a, here's a shocking thing too. Jesus doesn't say, give away all your money. He doesn't say that. In fact, he says, lend, expecting nothing in return, but lend. So is it okay to say, hey, I'm going to lend you this, give it back? Yeah. Yes. He's not saying, be foolish with your money. Because if you lend to everybody, I guarantee you, you're going to be poor. They're not going to give it back. They'll take every dime you have. People are a black hole of selfishness. And so if you start putting stuff in there, it never comes back. But the heart attitude now is different, where I can say, hey, I'm going to lend you. Here's, I know you're in trouble. I know you need this. It's in my power to give it to you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for paying it back. And then when they don't, what happens? Bitterness. How could they? I was so kind to them. What, Lord, what is up with these people you gave me? What is up with these friends? I asked you for friends. You give me friends, and they're just taking my money. They're not friends. You're toxic. That's what happens. That's what the world's telling us. Cut everybody out of your life. And the reality instead is you lend without this expectation. And then when they do give it back or they give you a gift, you're like, praise God. That's wonderful. What a blessing. That's good. Look how, because the Lord's working in their heart too. Sometimes God uses opportunities for us, even with things like money that really touches at our more. It gets us, doesn't it? Money will get you. But God gives us opportunities with money, sometimes for us to be like him and be merciful, sometimes for other people, because the bank is not going to be merciful, helpful with them, but they're trying. And this is an opportunity for them to work and to pay it back because God cares about our work. 
So they shouldn't steal from you. That's wrong if they don't give it back, right? So the, he, Jesus doesn't address that, but he does later. He says, don't, don't be like these other people. Fulfill your vows. Don't even say, I promise, I promise, I promise. I vow on all these things. Just let your yes be yes and no be no. Do you think he wants you to pay back the money? Yes. So it goes both ways. But the reality is, in the body together, God calls us that we are merciful. And that's the whole point today. Know this. This king, he's merciful. He is merciful. And he's good. And so now, we need to be merciful also. So what do we do? Maybe start with $5 in your wallet. And the next time you stop at a street corner and there's a guy with a sign, and your first thought is, I don't think he's really a vet. Or your first thought is, uh, he looks like he could work to me. Or you look over and you see the Taco Bell that says help wanted and you're like. <laughs> maybe, right? And now, maybe all those things are true. But also you can say, in the name of Jesus, this is $5 I'm giving you. And in your heart, you can say, Lord, I worked for this. I, I tithed. I did everything you asked me to do. And I, I'm, here's this guy. I'm praying for my, this stranger. Lord, he's yours. So here's $5. God bless you. I hope this goes well for you. And then guess what? Drive away. Drive away. Now, if that dude shows up in your house, maybe the Lord needs you to do something else with him. I don't know. But I'm saying also it's okay to say, here's this and go. You know the Good Samaritan story? The Good Samaritan saves the guy. He's all beat up and hurt bandages his wounds, puts him on his own donkey, takes him to the inn. What does he do? Gives the innkeeper money. Here's some funds for this dude. Peace. And leaves. And now the innkeeper's, what? Uh, what? No, could stay. Could you imagine being the innkeeper? Oh, thank you. This is good. What? Oh, he's hurt. Like, what do you, now you got to nurse him. So sometimes if he shows up at your house, you got to do something about it. But otherwise, it is okay also to walk away sometimes and just say, Lord, this is you're in charge and I'm not in charge. You see, that's interesting, isn't it? However, our culture has taught us, well, they didn't work. They didn't do it. They're not worth it. So just walk away. And I'm saying, let's be like Jesus. Let's err toward mercy. Now, if you have $20 and you need that $20 to get your kids peanuts at the Cardinals game, you brought, which they don't even use cash anymore, but I'm just saying, like, you brought it for the specific purpose, and here you are, and you don't give it to that guy does not mean you're sinning. Everybody understand? Okay, I'm not telling you you got to have, you know, $25 bills in your wallet so you're always ready for all the time. I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying as a heart attitude, as a heart attitude, how can we be merciful? This also works out, though, when you extend somebody credit. Have you ever extended somebody credit in your family? I'm not talking about money. I'm inviting you to Thanksgiving. Please don't bring up the Cubs this year. Please. Please don't. I know you're a Blackhawk fan. Just leave it at there. We're in St. Louis. Please. I'm inviting you to Christmas. I want you to come. I know you're not right with God. I don't want to fight with you about it, but I want you to come. You know where I stand. I know where you stand. I'm extending you this credit. Praying for you. Come be a part. 
And what happens? I knew I shouldn't trust that guy. I knew it. I knew it. I will write them off. And here's the reality. Let's be merciful. Now, also, here's the dichotomy. Sometimes you got to walk away and say, listen, I can't have you at Christmas. So these, we got to be wise. Hear what I'm saying? As a default, what's our heart, though? As a default, our heart is mercy because he's merciful. And sometimes mercy, 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 mercy has a limit. That's true, too. Everybody okay? These are big, these are big things. We get into those discussions. Um, but I'm telling you all this because let's know he's merciful. Let's be merciful. And let's start just by extending people the Lord's love. And see what happens. Amen? Amen. Amen.